have your Bibles tonight, Ecclesiastes. Now, I want to draw your attention. This is the man in the last part of his kingship. You'll notice what's happened to him. Now, at the first part of it, he was a happy king. He had possessions. He had wisdom. He had great respect. And he was known worldwide. But because he could do things he shouldn't do, he did them. And folks, tonight, all of us in this room, there are things we can get away with, but it doesn't mean you should. And it's a lesson all of us can learn. What is it I ought to do? The Bible says that you study to show the right, the the attitude that you can have, the answer you ought to give. There is a right and a wrong in everything that we do. All of our steps, everybody in this room, you can do right or you can do wrong. You can do better or you can do best. Rehoboam was the illustration of Solomon's son. Now, two things about this, about this book of Solomon's. One, he is empty. God is paying him back for the sins he's committed. Payday always comes. So when you and I do things wrong, God doesn't have to do anything. He just gives us the fruit of our sin. If you plant green beans and they come up, they never come up squash. It always comes up green beans. If you plant an apple tree, you don't get oranges. And so a lot of people think, I can do wrong and get right fruit. You can't do it. You have to do right in order to get right fruit. And so Solomon has been king for 40 years. He's still king here. But at the end of his life, he's not read his Bible. He has written some scripture, but he's written it from his heart. And so this is a part of what God allowed us to have. And I want you to notice, if you would, in chapter 2, verse 12, I want you to notice uh, in from 12 on to 26, this is the second part of the chapter we're studying. Remember, in this chapter, only chapter 2, he mentions I 41 times. That tells you he's focused on me, mine, and what I want. And that never goes well for Christians because the Lord wants us to put him and what he wants. And then God says, I'll bless you. Always it is you put the Lord first and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I'm not going to preach to you what's called the prosperity gospel. You do this, and God will make you rich. But I want you to notice a couple of passages. I want you to take your Bible and turn back a little bit to Proverbs chapter 3. I want you to notice Proverbs chapter 3, and I want you to see this chapter. Proverbs chapter 3. Notice with me, if you would, verse number Nine, honor the Lord with thy substance. Now, that would be you give to the Lord, you give your tithes and offerings, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. In other words, you tithe first to the Lord and then pay your bills. You tithe first to the Lord and then let the Lord take care of the rest of it. And notice he says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, everything we get. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. 
What he's saying is that you put me first and I'll provide for you. In Matthew 6 and verse 20, 33, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, he's not promising to make us all rich. He's promising to take care of us, to provide for us. Now, it's been my experience that when somebody is very faithful at giving to the Lord, not just money, but their heart and their time, that God always gives them back more than they put in. Always. You cannot outgive the Lord. Now, Solomon said, okay, Lord, in a small way at the beginning, he did exactly that. The Lord says, ask what you want. And it's in a dream. Ask what you want, and I'll give you anything you ask for. And Solomon said, he's just been made king. He said, Lord, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm a young child. I'm like a young child. I don't know how to guide these people. There are hundreds of thousands of people, and, and I'm a young man, and I don't have all the answers. Would you give me wisdom that I might lead them right? And God was so thrilled that he didn't ask for wealth and fame and fortune and all the stuff that goes uh, that most people do. He said, look, I am so proud of you for not asking for something for yourself, but you're asking for wisdom that you can help my people. I'm going to make you the wisest man to ever live. And he did. And his wisdom was known all over the world. The queen of Sheba came from uh, the, 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 the historians think from almost a thousand miles away from the east to hear his great wisdom. And she left and said, my goodness, the half was not told me. So she was blown away by Samson's wisdom, by, by uh, his wisdom here, Solomon's wisdom. And then all of a sudden, you, you'll notice that as he becomes somebody that God says, I'm going to give you, and he tells him as a young man, I've given you wisdom, and I'm going to give you wealth untold, and I'm going to make you so famous, I, I, I just want you to serve me. Well, Solomon became the richest man on earth. He became the most famous man on earth, the wisest man on earth. And God said in Deuteronomy 17, 17, only one wife. Make a copy of the Scriptures for yourself, and don't multiply gold and silver to yourself. He would send out ships to bring back gold in. But it was for him. Look, if you would, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Notice, if you would, in verse number 9. Verse number 8. I gathered me also silver and gold. So you see it changed from, Lord, you provide what you want me to do, what we want me to have, to I went out and got it. Notice verse 9. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Verse 10. And here's the kicker for all of it. This is what happened whenever we're not careful. We don't put the Lord first. Something else is going to be first in our life. Well, notice verse 10. What was first? He was first. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept them not from them. I withheld not from my heart any joy. Now, no one in this room can do that. <clears throat> We're not like Solomon. But also, 
from chapter 2, verse 1 through 26, he uses the word vanity or empty eight times. He said, it didn't bring me what I thought. Everything is empty. Now, I want you to notice through the outline, uh, in the top of the outline, emptiness in life continued. Notice, if you would, in verse 12, and I, again, the I and the me, I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. Remember last week we talked about uh, he tried to learn as much as he could, but you'll also notice uh, the madness and folly were, uh, were entertainment and, and joking and laughter and, and stuff that he brought in. You'll notice, if you would, in verse number, uh, in, in verse number 8, he says, I gather me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. I had the best musicians. I had the best comedians. I had the best uh, uh, groups. I had everything from my personal entertainment to make me happy. But you'll notice, if you would, in verse number 13, he says, I, I kept my wisdom. And he said in verse 13, then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly. So it's better to be wise and, 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 and have wisdom and use it than it is to be foolish and silly, even if you're laughing, having a good time. Notice, as far as light excelleth darkness, it's just much better for you. But you'll notice he says this. And so he says, but as the wise man, I noticed something. In verse 14, the wise man's eyes are in his head. He's looking around, but the fool walketh in darkness. So the wise man can see where he's walking, but the foolish man cannot. So notice what he says, and I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. In other words, the wise man sometimes trips and falls just like the foolish man walking in darkness. And he says, so the wise man trips and falls. The wise man gets sick. The foolish man gets sick. The wise man makes bad decisions, sometimes financially, even though he's smart. And the foolish man usually all the time makes bad decisions. He said, these events happen to both of them. So it's like, notice what he says after that. Verse 15, then I said in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even unto me. And why was I then more wise? He backs up and says, what good was it to, to be the wisest man on earth if the same thing happens to me as it does to the fool over there? You see, when you leave the Lord out, you can't see spiritual truth. You can't grow like you ought to grow. Because you only see what hurts you. Many times God gives us difficult situations to make us stronger, just like a teacher does a test for a student. It challenges them. They, they have to study. They have to work hard. It, it, it's difficult. It's strenuous. But it makes them wiser and stronger. And so the Lord is trying to make you and I stronger spiritually that we can be used more. Now, I want you to notice, if you would, in the outline, uh, Roman number one, Solomon went after wisdom and saw that wisdom was important. It was important to him. And he saw that. It's better than folly by light years. 
But notice A, wisdom excels foolishness as light excels darkness. But then notice B, but Solomon saw that the same events happened to the wise and to the unwise. Why? Because God is working in both of their lives. Now, you tell me, the seafarers in the ship with Jonah and Jonah, Jonah's out of God's will. The storm comes to both of them. They're trying to do what's right for Jonah. Jonah doesn't care. Throw me overboard. They do what he says because they're out of hope. They think they're going to die. He goes overboard and is put in the whale's belly for three days, and it's sheer torture, and all of a sudden it clears up for the seafarers. They did what's right. He does what's wrong. And so, but they're both in the same event. So the Lord is trying to use these events to make you and I stronger. And then when we get done, many of them said, wow, what a God this is. What a God he has. So God uses these events to point the unsaved to him. But we can't look at it and say it's not fair. It's not fair as a Christian that I have to suffer some of the same same things the world does. Because the Lord allows illness to all of us. The Lord allows difficulty to all of us. But for a Christian, he says, I'll never leave you alone. To the sinner, he doesn't make that promise. You and I, as far as we go in this life, if we stand up, he says, I'll compass you about. Everywhere you go, I'll walk with you if you'll put me first. Now, we don't see him, but he's there just like Job going through the difficulties. But God was right there saying, Satan, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. He was the hedge about Job. But Job didn't see that. But when the daylight comes, when the sun comes, Job's heart was lifted up. God blessed him twice And if you and I do what's right through the difficult times that God is working in our lives, all of us go through difficult times because God is trying to build you. He's trying to make you a better wife, a better husband, a better employee, a better Christian so that your light shines and the world says, wow, what what do you have? Because I don't have the same strength you do when I'm going through this storm. That's what God wants the world to see. But you and I can't step back and say, this isn't fair. I go to church, but we both got sick. He doesn't do anything right, and he, did, he got sick too. Or the Lord blessed him, and the Lord blessed me. I went to church, and he doesn't. What good does it do to do right? That's Solomon's question. Why? Notice, if you would, see in the outline, he personalized it by saying the same events both happened to the fool and to himself, And he said, that's not fair. That's vanity. Look in verse 15. Then said I in my heart, as it happened to the fool, so it happened unto me. He makes it personal. And why was I then more wise? Why did I strive to be wiser? Then I said in my heart that this is vanity. There is the first time he uses vanity from chapter 2, verse 12 on. But he uses it six times. This is just the first time. He said, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to be wise. Now, folks, tonight, you know it makes a difference if you're wise rather than foolish. Everybody knows that. But Solomon is so 
empty. He is so vexed that he just doesn't know what to do. He's at the end of his rope. He, he's, he's really ready to die because what's the use of living? I'm the richest man on earth, the wisest man on earth, the most famous man on earth, and I have no joy. And so, folks, tonight, understand, stuff doesn't make you happy. Possessions don't make you happy. Being well-known does not make you happy. Having a good reputation doesn't make you happy. Only the Lord brings joy to the heart, but He can bring joy to the heart for very little. This little story I read the other day about a young boy that never had anything, and he was taken in by a family, and they gave him a glass of milk to drink. And he looked at them, and he picked up the glass, and he said, how deep can I drink? And they said, what? How deep can I drink? He had family that he could only take two or three sips just a little bit down and then give it to your brother. And then how deep can I drink? You and I have very little understanding of how deep can we drink with a cup of milk. It's like, okay, that was really good. Can I have another? We don't realize that God has been good to all of us. But in exchange for that, we ought to be grateful. Gratefulness brings a joy. Solomon's not grateful for all the things God gave to him. He felt he had earned it and he had deserved it. That's the reason he said 41 times, I did this, I did that. He didn't do any of it. God told him, I'm going to give it to you. But he thought, I got it. And look, it's empty. When you realize God is blessing you and he's giving you things, then you back up and realize that it was God that did it. It brings a joy to your heart. You cannot have joy without the Lord that lasts. And all of us need to learn that. Now, notice if you would in the outline, uh, uh, notice D in the outline, he saw that there was no remembrance of a wise man than of a fool. Both would be forgotten in time. Look at verse 16. For there is no remembrance of the wise man more than of the fool forever. Seeing that which is now in the days to come shall all be forgotten. How dieth the wise man? As the fool. So he looks at it and says, we're all going to die, and none of us are going to be known for anything once we die. Once we die, what good does it do us that we are wise or foolish? Such a poor spiritual look at things. And yet, he's the wisest man to ever live. So, folks, learn the lesson from him. All is not vanity. It is if you and I are striving and pushing to get things for ourselves without the Lord and his blessing. Remember, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Then there's a joy. Then there's an excitement about it of which he's lost it. He has no excitement over a wife. He has a thousand of them. He is not happy. He doesn't know what to do. He's got money that's out the ears, and yet he, what can he spend it on? He, he, he's got everything. It's like he's come to the end of his life, and he's just miserable. So Rehoboam sees all that he's got, his dad's got, and he just ignores the fact that he's miserable, and he's empty, and he's suicidal in many ways, and he says, I want that and more. So he tells the people, I'm going to 
multiply the taxes on you so much that you can't even imagine it. And the end result is they walked away. He could have had everything your father had and the joy with it. But he said, I'll take it. Not, Lord, you give it to me. Folks, the difference between joy is, Lord, you give it to me when you think I need it, when you think I can use it. I thank the Lord for a financial blessing the Lord brought to me years ago. And I was very empty financially. I was, everything was fine, but I couldn't make headway. Anybody ever been like that? And I said, Lord, I'll just leave this in your hands. And then in a three-month period, he turned everything around. And to this day, I still thank him every day. Lord, I don't know how you did it. I don't know why you did it. But Lord, I'm grateful. And so there's a joy in my heart. And yet, I didn't become a millionaire. I mean, it's like the Lord just said, I'll provide you what you need. And whenever you and I get that that we need, we're so thankful for the Lord's provision. Number one, it dawned on me, now you can take care of me anytime. Lord, you could bless me anytime that I have a need because I saw him do it. And so Solomon says, you know, I got me this and I got me that and I got, and the end result was it wasn't the Lord did it for him. So he had no one that he felt like could be good to him. He already had everything but he didn't have the appreciation and the thanksgiving from God. So when he said, when I die, there's not going to be any more remembrance of me than the foolish man. Well, that's not true. We all know who Solomon is, but we don't know who the foolish men he's talking about here are. And you and I won't either. Now, it is true that fame and all that doesn't necessarily benefit us after we die in this earth. And that's what he was complaining about. You're going to see that in a minute. Now, notice with me, if you would, uh, D in the outline, he saw that there was no remembrance of a wise man more than a foolish man. Both would be forgotten in time, and that, that does happen. But remember, the foolish man's in hell. He has no future, and the wise man that trusted Christ has everything in heaven. Payday came. Notice, if you would, in the outline, E. Then, in verse 17 and 18, these are key verses. Notice, let's read them. Therefore, I hated life. I don't know how much stronger language you can use. Three words in the Hebrew text for hate. This is a word that, that is it's not, it's not an emotionally bitter thing. It's that I'm just exhausted and nothing matters. He said, therefore, I hated life. Notice with me, if you would. Because all his labors seem to be grievous and vexing. Notice what he says. Therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. It doesn't benefit me when I die. Notice. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. I have no joy in all that I've done. Do you realize he brought, he brought irrigation to his country? Um, he, he, he built the greatest temple the world has ever seen. It was, it was known worldwide. 
And yet he says, all this is vanity. It wouldn't have been vanity if he could said, Lord, I did this for you. He could have rejoiced every day of his life as he walked in there and felt like he had done something to please the Lord. And you and I can do the same thing. If we raise our children to please the Lord, we've done something. If we've been a blessing at work and we've made a difference in the place at work, we've done something. And when it comes time to die, as it does for Solomon here, you can look back and say, my, my life was worth it. But you've got to do something eternal. Gold is not eternal. Wisdom is not eternal. You can go to Florida and visit Einstein's, Edison's, brilliant man lab where he failed hundreds of times making a light bulb. You can see his lab there, but did you know he couldn't sleep? He just put a cot in his lab and napped his whole life. You and I look at it and say, boy, it'd be nice to be brilliant like that, but he was so driven and I've got to do this and I've got no one knows that he even, uh, you know, he, he's basically the one that in, invented the, uh, the, the uh, recording device. And yet, here I am. What good is it? He doesn't realize the benefit he was to society because it wasn't done for the Lord. And tonight, everything you do for you is going to bring emptiness everything you do for the Lord, and it can be the exact same thing. It can be the, the fruits of your job, but it brings a joy in your heart um, because it's a privilege for you. I remember talking to David Abbott. This is Robin Abbott's husband. He died several years ago. He was an electrician, but he so loved his job and was so loved by the people around him that he made an eternal difference <clears throat> and he felt like he had made a difference. <clears throat> he had joy in life, and he was an electrician, and his family loved him. He was filthy rich in things that matter. Tonight, don't put your fingers and your hands around things that I have done, or it'll bring you no joy. Do everything that you do for his sake so it can bring fulfillment and joy to your heart. Notice, if you would, F, notice verse 19, verse 18. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because, now tell me if this is selfish or not, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. <clears throat> Who is that? Rehoboam. He left it to his son. But it didn't benefit him. He said, I want it to benefit me when I die. The Lord doesn't do that. <clears throat> but if you work for things for you, death is going to be very empty. If you live for others, it'll be very full. Notice if you would, <clears throat> uh, look at F in the outline. He then thought, Excuse me, uh, E in the outline. Then he hated life because all his labors seemed to be grievous and vexing. They really didn't matter because the man that followed him would get all the benefit. Look, it's a benefit 
to be good to somebody in death. It's a benefit to, uh, to die and leave money to my, to my church or to the mission fund. It, it's a privilege to do that. Because I've been able to save a little bit, I'm going to leave some for missions. I'm going to leave some to Temple Baptist Church. Wow, I, it, it brings joy to my heart. But if, if you never have enough, you're never happy. If you're living for me, you'll never be happy. Notice, if you would, uh, F in the outline. <coughs> he then thought that if a man following wasn't very wise, then all his labors could be wasted. Notice in verse 19. <clears throat> and who knoweth whether he should be a wise man or a fool that follows me? His son was a fool because he didn't teach him right. His son did waste everything. Notice if you would. <clears throat> Yet shall he have rule over all of my labor wherein I have labored. And wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun, this is also vanity. You and I don't control what people do with what we leave. But we can put it in places where it will make a difference. And we can rest assured in that. But he says, look, I, I, I'm going to leave it. I don't even know who I'm going to leave it to. At this point in time, his son's not king. He leaves it to Rehoboam, and he does waste it. You and I say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? And when you do what God wants you to do with what you have, it'll never be wasted because it'll be a blessing to God. It'll be an obedience to the Lord. Notice, if you would, Roman numeral two, all of these selfish thoughts caused Solomon great despair. Look at verse 18. Yea, I hated my labor. I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun. Do you understand? He says, <clears throat> I hate everything that I did. How can the richest, wisest, most famous man hate all of the deeds he's accomplished? Because he did them for himself. And if you and I live for self, we're going to be empty the day we die. The farther we get down the end of the road, the more empty we're going to become because the end is near. And we look at it, we look back and say, oh, I, I didn't, I, I wasted a lot of things. I wasted a lot of life. Oh, I can't believe I did that. But there's no fixing it. Folks, don't live that way. Put the Lord first. Seek the Lord's direction in everything that you do and let Him bring the joy to your heart. Notice, if you would, A in the outline, <clears throat> Solomon felt, listen to this, it was a great evil to leave his works to a man who didn't deserve them or hadn't earned them. Look at verse 21. For there is a man who laboreth is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. He's not going to earn it. This also is vanity and a great evil. He said, it's going to be a great evil to leave it to somebody that didn't earn it. All inherited inheritances are not earned. They're gifts. But if you have an attitude like this, you don't want to give anything away. And he didn't because they might waste it. Folks, you and I should 
joy in giving. Giving to our, our children. Giving to someone in need. Giving. We ought to enjoy that. And if we learn to enjoy it, the Lord said, uh, you know, if, if you'll give to me, I'll give back to you. Take your Bible and turn me, if you would, to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. I want you to see this. Malachi chapter 3. <clears throat> Notice with me, if you would. And, and money seems to be so important to Solomon, he never learned. Notice this. Notice what he said, verse 10. This is the Lord speaking, children of Israel. Israel's not listening. And he says in verse 9, you, you're cursed with a curse. I've cursed you. Why? For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And this is the way God feels about it. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, that things can be provided in my house. And prove me now. Test me. Now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He didn't say it would make you rich. He said, I'll give you a blessing that you cannot receive it. And there's a gratefulness for what you've received of the Lord that you're just overwhelmed, like happened to me years ago. It was like, wow, Lord, I can't believe you would do that for me. Lord, thank you. And so here he says, I promise to give you a blessing. I didn't promise to double your money. This is not an investment. You give to the Lord $1,000 and he gives you two. But I've had that happen to me. But that's not his promise. It is that I will bless you, but you give to me because you love me. And I will bless you because you love me. But if you give because you got to, there's no joy in that. If you give to your wife because you have to, there's no joy in that. If you give to your husband because you have to, there's no joy in that. You have to give because you love. Solomon missed that lesson because he said, I, 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 me, me. And that's why I had a thousand wives. He was never satisfied with one. Tonight, you and I will never be satisfied with anything that we have. If we get it. You know why? Because a brand new car, the paint peels. After time, somebody dents it with a door. Over time, hailstorm hits it and you get dents in it. Over time, the motor's not as strong. Over time, the air conditioner doesn't work. And pretty soon, wow, this is the crummiest car you can think of. But at the time you got it, it was a great joy. But it'll be a joy the whole time if you'll give the Lord thanks. If you'll realize God gave it to you. Yes, I know we work. But when we leave the choices to the Lord, he gives us the things that he wants. He gives us the blessings of Malachi. And so many people have stuff but not blessings. They have possessions but not blessings. Solomon had gold and silver but not blessings. Because blessings bring you joy. Notice with me, if you would, very quickly. Look down in, in, in verse number, in letter B. Solomon realized that all of his labors would not benefit him when he died. Now, we all know that. Look at verse 22. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? 
For all his days are sorrows and his travail is grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. He can't sleep because he has no joy. This is also vanity. Uh, I, I, he's, he's laying awake at night because he can't keep the things he's got. And they don't bring joy to him. Notice, if you would, see in the outline. He finally figured that he should just enjoy his labors while he could. He saw this as a gift of God. Look at verse 24. There's nothing better for a man than to, he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. He gets a little bit of ray of light. I realize that I could have a little joy and enjoyment if I realized it was from the hand of God. Folks, there's the key right there. He puts it in Scripture but misses it totally. Notice, if you would, <clears throat> D, God doesn't give anyone the option of benefiting himself from his labors after death. Solomon thought this was a vanity. He thought, look, I'm so rich, I'd like to benefit from this in the future. The Lord doesn't do that. We benefit from blessings every day of our life, but not from things. And Solomon never learned that. So I want this. I want that. This will bring me joy. Peculiar treasures from all over the world. The best singers, the best wives, all this will bring me joy. But it didn't. Because, Lord, would you give me joy? That's the secret to blessing. Notice, if you would quickly, E in the outline, we must learn to labor not for ourselves alone, but for the Lord. The Lord wants us to enjoy each day we serve Him. Spiritual blessings are to be enjoyed as a gift from God, but they are not the reason we are here on earth. We're not here to receive blessings. We're here to serve the Lord and to love Him, and He gives us blessings. But if we say, I want the blessings, and I want the money, and I want the gold and silver, we can't have the joy. If you put Him first, and He gives you the blessings, and then the joy is there. Notice, the Lord has better things laid up in heaven for the faithful. Then our joy can be full eternally. So when you and I lay up treasure in heaven, the day of death is a joy to us because we're going home to everything we've labored for in this life. But those things are not laid up in heaven if we do it for ourselves for here and now. We labor, Lord, to please you, and that brings blessings here and rewards there. Don't miss the lesson that Solomon missed. You'll see this book is a book of emptiness. At the very end, and you saw a glimpse of it in verse 23, I see the blessing of the Lord is, is from the Lord, but he doesn't know how to get it from the Lord because he's not doing things for the Lord. Today, do what you do for the Lord. In the morning when you get up, go to work for the Lord's sake. I'm going to make a difference today, Lord, for you. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do this wiring today for you. Lord, I'm going to do this plumbing today for you. Lord, I'm going to do this accounting today for you. Lord, and you'll notice a difference because when we do things for him, he blesses us. Don't do things for you or for the check or for the raise or for the bonus. Do things for him, and all that stuff is a blessing. Let's bow our heads forward to prayer tonight. I trust that you could see in Scripture 
the vanity of wealth gotten by yourself and not given as a blessing. Father, would you speak to hearts tonight? We need you. In your name we pray. Amen.